0: All right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Reel featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan, and we are back with another hopefully great review. You're, you're um,
1: keeping this going,
2: I see. Hmm. He does it again. Uh. Keeps saying, "Hopefully." I'm
3: suspect. You know, you were bringing a lot of enthusiasm to this intro, and then you were like, "Hopefully."
0: It's like my thing, you know. Hopefully, great review. Hmm. Well. Anyways, we're we're continuing on with our Stephen King adaptations uh, series here. Our first one we had Christine. Our second one was Silver Bullet, and then we're finishing it up here with uh,
2: 1408. You know, this is the first one that I've actually read of our series. Oh, really? And this was like a long time ago, so I don't actually remember much about it. So,
0: <laughs> so this movie 1408 was released in 2007. It was directed by Mikhail Hafström. I'm sorry if I said that name wrong. It stars John Kuzak and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, currently on IMDb, it has a 6.8 out of 10 user score, a 64 meta score. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 79% tomato meter and a 61% audience score. Oh my, that's pretty good. I'm surprised by that. It's
3: quite a tomato meter.
0: Yeah. I'm kinda of surprised by that too, but I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about the movie. Just quick synopsis. Um it follows John Kuzak's character. Um and he is a horror writer. He goes around to haunted hotels and writes about um his stays in the rooms, you know, that are supposed to be haunted. You know, these touristy trap haunted uh, attraction things. And he gets a postcard saying, don't stay in room 1408 at uh, this hotel in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: The dolphin.
0: Well, uh, John Kuzak proceeds to do just that.
1: so Because <laughs> he's a dumb dumb. <laughs> it's, I mean,
0: it's his job.
1: That's besides the point.
0: And uh, he encounters the manager of the hotel, Samuel L. Jackson, the man himself, who does my favorite part of this movie. He builds up the room and says, don't stay in there.
2: And then complications ensue. Turns out maybe you shouldn't have stayed in the room. What a twist. (laughs) You
1: should listen to what Sam Jackson tells you.
2: Yeah. If Sam Jackson sits me down and tells me something, I'm going to listen.
1: What would you guys think
2: of uh, 1408 here?
3: Well, I think you already hit on it, Mike. Uh, you know, I I felt like the beginning of this movie was awesome. The first twenty minutes, I I, I felt were fantastic. Uh, that was that was great. So I'll I'll preface everything I've got to say based on that statement.
2: <laughs> it sucked me in pretty good. I thought it was pretty interesting. The dynamic between yeah you know, the non-believer going to all these rooms and then. Maybe he's found the one, the one room that actually is haunted and the way it yeah, gets hyped up. It's so creepy. There's a lot of hype. Yeah.
0: Like I said, the hype up from Samuel L. Jackson, you know, for this room is awesome. And I was like sold. But then it slowly goes downhill and it loses me over the course of the movie. I think Fox summed it up pretty good yesterday when he was like, it's the Christmas story, but in a hotel. <laughs>
3: What? Like, I I just watched Christmas Story with Bill Murray a few months ago. Wait a second, wait.
1: (laughs) What? (laughs) There's a
3: lot of similarities here. Why did you watch the Christmas Story? (laughs) It was on AMC for some reason, and I was home. What do you want from me? The
0: perfect Combination.
3: I don't know. Maybe it was on DVR. The point is, I was at home with my parents, who are in the middle of nowhere and have, <laughs> you know, no internet, so I can't do the Hulu and the Watch the Netflix.
2: <laughs> wow. All right. Well, yeah. Please go into how these two are similar. I'm curious.
1: Yes.
3: Uh, because a guy who's kind of a bastard has a supernatural experience, and then. At the end is like, maybe I shouldn't have been a bastard. <laughs> wow.
2: Well, I mean you're not wrong. I don't
3: know. He like has all these like ghosts of past and present and future that kind of pop up almost in that order.
0: The section where he really like interacts with his past, you know, and gets to see how he talked to his wife, and maybe the like glimpse into the future you know where he's he's uh seeing his daughter again and that kind of stuff that's real Christmas story for me,
1: yeah, you're not wrong, I didn't think of that, but <laughs> you're not
2: wrong i guess i I mean I took it as the room was i don't know like I guess yeah, a Christmas story is a good example I don't know i I think it more of like it was a Small piece of hell or something that was like showing him his sins, which I guess the Christmas story does. But... I don't know if that's what they were going for with this. <laughs> this is no Scrooge. No, no,
3: I don't think so. I don't think the room's intent was to make him be a better person, but I think the way they went about uh, portraying it in this movie, <laughs> like if you missed the beginning and just
2: came in in the room. I'm, I'm going to say I probably would have never crossed my mind until you brought that up. What can I say? I love Bill Murray. We Fox and I watched this movie
0: last night, and we were just talking over it the whole time. <laughs> All right. You know, this, we were both like, you know, this movie's got me. And then the really bad CGI ghosts, like, showed up. And we were both like, ugh. Because it looks like out of the Haunted Mansion, you know, that Disney movie? They look like Haunted Mansion ghosts. After that, it kind of lost me pretty hard, I think.
2: Yeah, I didn't really like those ghosts very much either. I thought they looked bad. But it was 2000s, so... I kind of give him a little bit of a pass. The effects probably weren't quite there yet.
3: We did kind of give him that concession, I think, when we were talking last night. Uh, Yeah, obviously it was 07, so over a decade ago, but there were other elements that kind of lost me there.
2: It could have been done better, Yeah, I don't even think we needed those ghosts, really, but that's fine. I think they're just there. They just kept coming up with stuff to extend his time in this room, it felt like. They're running out of ideas.
0: Yeah, this movie is at least 20 minutes too long, I think.
1: Ah, uh, more than that.
0: Yeah, probably 30, <laughs> maybe even 40.
1: <laughs> maybe even
0: two hours.
1: <laughs> it should have been 40 minutes. 40 minutes short. Not a full length feature. He goes, gets the, keep the whole 26 minutes or whatever till he gets to the room in there. Because that's really good. And does a great job of pumping you up for what's going to happen to him when he goes in there then he goes in there and like dies and then cut it that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes.
3: You have described a better film already.
0: We were talking too that this movie really takes a a mother turn. We we reviewed Mother back um you know I don't I don't know how many episodes but not necessarily like the good side of mother but it just tries to get real weird in some spots. I think and it just doesn't fit for me. Like what what spots did you think were weird?
3: Like the room cracking and like the earthquake with like the floor blowing up symbolizing the his like mental breakdown, his sanity shattering. It it felt very mothery, but, but not done well. Obviously this came out long before Mother, but I liked the
2: walls cracking. I thought that was kind of cool and creepy.
3: I liked the blood aspect, but when the floor started exploding, I was a little iffy on that.
1: They had to have their big climactic end scene. <laughs> so let's make the room blow up.
0: John Kuzak's character. What did you guys think about his character? Because it's basically him trapped in a room for the greater part of the movie.
2: I thought it was okay. I think he might have had like one too many personal issues. I think the dad stuff could have been left out. It did not seem that important to his character compared to the whole daughter and wife thing. But I think he's a decent enough character. I like the you know skeptic going into something, expecting nothing, and getting everything kind of trope.
1: I like this character, too. I do agree with you, Terry. They should have not even had the <laughs> his father aspect in there at all, because it doesn't serve much of a point.
2: Yeah, and it, it feels like it just fluffs up the movie some more. Yeah, just another thing to add to keep the runtime full length. I mean, if
3: you're going to lock a guy in a room alone and be the only actor for like an hour and a half,
2: yeah, you're going to need some fluff to (laughs) keep him occupied. I mean, they could have done other stuff, I guess. I don't know. They could have done more with the ghosts, maybe instead of like all of them being blatantly an axe murderer. I think there was like an axe murderer trying to kill him at some point. Oh, the ice pick guy. (laughs) Yeah. Done more with all the other done more with the other ghosts. Maybe they try to talk to him. Maybe they I don't know. Something could have been done that I think would have been cool. Yeah.
0: I don't have a problem with John Cusack at all, but I definitely think they tried to way overdevelop his character in this movie. Yeah, he's got too much going on. Too much backstory we don't need. I would have rather had more of a psychological aspect to this. Um, with less of his backstory, like more stuff's going on in the room. Is he insane? Is the room actually haunted or not? You know, these kind of, uh, questions.
2: I do like they, they did touch on it a little bit, but yeah, they don't go into it very much where he's like, oh, my drink, it might be spiked or something. And then we don't actually know was it spiked or not. And eventually we assume it wasn't, but I don't think they proved it.
1: That would have been much more interesting than what we got because, he he goes and stays in these hotels to, I guess, disprove that they're haunted, and that's like a big portion of the beginning of the movie, and it sets it up real well. Then he gets into the room, and then it, they kind of just drop that plot point. It's like he's he's talking about how he's got all his tools for checking for ghosts and stuff he doesn't even use them when he gets to 1408 yeah and then there's the they could have done a whole shutter island thing where it's like they could simultaneously have two things happening to him at the same time and you can make them both work or whatever it's just how you want to interpret it with the whole is the hotel just playing this up to scare me with the spiked drink and things like that They could have even done something with that to make it more interesting, I think, than what we got. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. I mean, I hate to compare this movie to The Shining.
3: But how can you not? It's a hotel. They're both hotels.
0: You know, I want to look at it, you know as objectively as I can. It's just 1408. But no, you have to compare it to The Shining. And I mean, I also hate to compare it to The Shining because that's Stanley Kubrick directing that. I mean, that's Stanley Kubrick. He's the dude, you know. You can't just compare directors to him, you know, because he's the dude. (laughs) I mean, that's Stanley Kubrick.
3: He was a giant in filmmaking, you know, and directing. It's a very similar thing, though. You're right, though. I mean, a director who Deviated from the original source material and made his own Stephen King adaption about a hotel.
0: I was just going to look at the characters too, because you have Jack Torrance in The Shining and he slowly goes insane throughout the movie. Is it because he's stir crazy? Is it the hotel? I don't know. You know, they kind of leave it open ended in The Shining movie, but this one, you know. I'm just not really getting that kind of in there. I get ham-fisted what I think the director and writer wanted me to get out of this. You know, it's
2: not ambiguous. I mean, I'm kind of okay with it being actually haunted. It feels like such an obvious trope. The twist is like, oh, obviously, you know, a lot of ghosts... Movies are like that, oh, it wasn't real the whole time, or was it real or wasn't it? We see that so much, and I'm kind of okay with just, yep, it's definitely haunted, and this guy's got to deal with it. I think that's
1: all right. I agree with that too, Terry. A horror movie doesn't need to be ambiguous to be good. It's all in how the director wants to film it. Yeah, it works in The Shining really well, and it works in Shutter Island extremely well. It also when you know exactly what it is, it works good in those aspects too, like hereditary or sinister or those types of horror movies. They're not very ambiguous at all and they're they're really good. So it's just it depends how the director wants to do it and the story they want to tell. I think the issue though with this one is like you said, we've seen it all before. There's nothing really new that they're doing, which is kind of why we've all suggested different ways we would have tackled it.
2: That is true. We have seen, as much as we've seen the ambiguous horror movie, we've seen just the blatant horror movie too a million of times. So I completely get what you guys are saying. I understand that. But I just think this movie took the
0: straight haunted thing way too far. I would have liked it better if it was more grounded and less based on his past. And then the room just gets completely charred and ruined. And he has that weird scene with... What is it? His daughter comes into the room and like dies in his arms. It's very Silent Hill. Yeah, that was that was straight like Silent Hill. Right there. That's a great comparison, Fox. And I think... That just took it too far for the haunted aspect for me. But that's just goes down to
2: personal taste. Well, we keep saying it's haunted. I don't know. At the beginning of the movie, what I really like about it is where, uh, yeah, John Cusack's like, oh, I've been to a million haunted rooms. And then Sam Jack's like, hey, I'm not saying it's haunted. I'm just saying it's evil. And I, I kind of like that twist. Oh, it's such a cool scene. Yeah, me. you're like, oh, that's cool. I don't know if it's haunted or not. I like. I think it's more of like he's going through hell and like burning for his sins. That's kind of how I took it.
3: I do think if it was in the Stephen King vein, it would be like a sentient evil hotel room. It seems to be his <laughs> thing to make sentient evil
2: things. Now, I can't remember if that's the case or not. All I remember is like the wallpaper starts getting weird and the paintings start getting weird. That's like the only memorable thing I remember. I remember liking it a lot, but it's I read that like middle school. So it's been a very long time.
3: That's fair. I mean, like The Shining in the book, at least the movie's more ambiguous. But the book, it's very obvious the hotel is a sentient evil hotel.
2: And I mean, is it sentient? Is this room? I don't know. I think it maybe it could be like an annihilation thing. Maybe the room just does what the room does. It looks into the people and goes, hey, this is your past. And this is why you need to pay. And then they pay.
3: Lovecraftian, perhaps. Something we can't comprehend.
2: Yeah. That's what I get from it a little bit. Oh, no. Don't,
1: don't solely <laughs> no. lovecraft with this. It
2: kind of is. You know, <laughs> it's an evil room. We don't know why it's evil. It doesn't have any reason to be evil, but it just is. And... We can't understand that.
1: Now, all right, now, let, let's back this up a bit. Let's let's back this up. All right, Love Lovecraft horror is not evil. This is the best way I've ever seen to describe it. So, um, we're humans, and what do we do when we see ants? Ants are so beneath us, we just don't even care about them. We can step on it, and we just don't care because it's an ant. So Lovecraft Horror Works, where humans are the ants, and all the aliens and elder gods from outer space are the humans. We're so below them and insignificant that that's what makes it scary. And it's like, an ant can't comprehend what a human is because it's an ant. (laughs) It doesn't have the... Brain power or the um, anything really to comprehend why we do what we do. We're just a big scary monster. And it's the exact same concept except we're the ant for Lovecraft.
2: Well, if we're the ant and we see a big foot comes crushing down on people, how is the ant going to perceive that? Oh, that's an evil monster that's coming and crushing all of our stuff. So that's just how the characters are perceiving this room as evil. Maybe the room is just doing what it does. It's not. Maybe it's not evil in the broad sense, but it's doing things to these people. Maybe it's just cleansing them. I don't know.
1: Well, see, and that that's kind of the... I taken it like literally from the character's perspective, because Love Lovecraft horror is more about the reader as opposed to the act, what the character is going through. Because as the reader, you know that it's not evil; it's just doing its thing, basically. Well, that's for like the elder gods and stuff they summon, not the cult members and things. So that that's why it's hard for people to make good movie adaptations of lovecraft because it it's <laughs> a book forms really the only way you can experience it the as intended so i guess yeah if you're taking it for, literally from the character's perspective then yeah they would just jump to it being evil because why would it just hurt me for no reason even though they can't comprehend it but that's not really the intent of lovecraft at all with his horror, so... And it's unexplainable.
2: Like, that's the Lovecraft part to me. is like, why is this room bad? There's no reason for it to be bad. It just is. Like, this is just how this room is built and there's no reason like it's a a cosmic anomaly.
3: Oh, you've hit you've you've hit my issue TV. You've hit what killed it for me.
2: Ooh, I want to hear this.
3: So we have this epic 20-minute build up to this room, right? A good like 10-15 minutes of which is this exposition from Sam L.J. on the whole evil, right? But for me, I felt like we were going to delve into the why. Like, it was a mystery, kind of like Shutter Island. What is going on? Why? Like, we're going to find out clues and slowly build up to learning the great mystery of this. But there was no why. There was no mystery at all. John Cusack was like, I'm not a writer. I don't research things. I just talk and say preposterously not philosophical things into my tape recorder. And that's what killed it for me, was that the fact that there was no why, there was not even an attempt to find out. The why. There was just a bunch of people died here, and we're going
2: to show you a bunch of pictures of them dying, but. Because that's scary. But that's kind of what I like about it is that it's kind of like Christine. The car's just bad. We don't know why in the movie, in the book, sure. But I kind of like it's just this is bad, and now we have to deal with it. Sometimes, you know, oh, it's been haunted by a ghost. Oh, it's a demonic room. Uh, I don't know. That gets old for me sometimes. Terry hates demons. I do hate demons. At least modern, the, uh, no, in the, what is it? The Blumhouse verse? What's that? Conjuring oh, verse. Oh, God. <laughs> I do not like the demons in the Conjuring verse because that's all it ever is. Oh, it's a ghost. Oh, just kidding. It was actually a demon the whole time. Oh, there was a ghost, but then the demon bullied the ghost. It's like, uh, we don't need demons. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, the demon
3: bullied the ghost. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's what happens. Herbis, that You're not
3: wrong. I've, I've never heard it said like that, though. I like that. <laughs>
2: all these modern demon movies, all the demons do is throw people against walls and pop out at people. And that's all they do. There's nothing unique about these yeah. things. We need unique things. And I'm not saying this movie is unique necessarily, but. Well, hold up. I think that's a good segue. To
0: one of my points here. So I want to ask you guys, do you remember 2000s horror movies? Does anything stand out? Dawn of the Dead.
1: Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Silent Hill. Saw. There's a lot better thrillers than horror movies in the 2000s.
0: So I know we've talked about this before, that the 2000s was a real weird time for movies. But horror movies, especially like in our uh, review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we were like, man, there's just a bunch of nasty movies that were just nasty to be nasty. This is true. So I've pulled up a list of 2007 horror movies here. I just want to run through it. We have R.E.C.
1: Oh, hey, that's a good one.
0: The Mist. Ooh, I
1: like The Mist.
0: Dead Silence, 30 Days of Night. I haven't seen it. The Orphanage, Paranormal Activity, Hostel Part 2, Saw 4. And then even on this list here, we have Predator Requiem for horror movies in the 2007s. For a
1: horror film?
0: For a horror film. And then we have 1408. So I think that we are very spoiled in our horror movies we've seen most recently, we have The Babadook, we have Hereditary, we have, um, whether you like it or don't like it, the Conjuring movies, Sinister, Insidious. The 2000s was a real weird time for horror movies, and I think that this movie has such a high rating because it stands out from all these other ones because it did something different. What do you guys think about that?
2: I'd agree with that. That's fair. It's probably better than a lot of the 2000s horror movies I've seen.
3: I think you're right. In the context of the time, it's probably pretty up there.
2: Since we've been so spoiled with
0: you know great psychological horror movies in the past uh, nine years, it's I think that's why this movie really didn't do it for me. It's because I've seen what it could be with the genre masters make out of this. You know,
1: So, kind of... In the psychological horror aspect, so one year prior to this, the Silent Hill movie came out. The first one. We don't speak of the second one. How many people here have seen the first Silent Hill movie? Yeah, Yeah. no. Okay, so I am of the opinion that that's a very underrated horror film. It's not the best horror film. I'll be the first to admit it, but it's it does a lot of cool psychological horror things in it that a lot of movies didn't do before that one came along. And I'd say that one's better than 1408, and it does psychological horror much better, especially with the main character.
3: Oh, absolutely. Although for me, and I will say, I'll just throw out there, for me, it's the aesthetic of Silent Hill. I, I, I just love the uh, the transformation from the real world to the, uh, I guess, the underworld is, is so impressive for me. And I, I found that transition to be very similar with this one in the burned up hotel room at the end.
1: It's a lot more subtle in Silent Hill. I don't know about
0: subtle. It gets pretty in your face towards the end.
1: I guess with the main character, let's say with the main character it does... Because Silent Hill's got the the alarm that signifies the transition. <laughs> they let so. you know when it's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, The the main character, it's a lot more subtle, I guess. The
3: 2000s were a weird time, though, and I always feel weird whenever we review any 2000s horror film.
2: I mean, we've been dogging on it, but I didn't necessarily dislike it. I mean, I didn't necessarily like it that much either. It's kind of in the middle of the road for me a little bit. Yeah, it's
1: not bad by any stretch. But it's not, like, great either. It's mediocre, as Immortan Joe would say. Mediocre!
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Mad Max, always creeping in. Yeah. I I just go back to what I was saying earlier. I think we're spoiled by psychological horror, because we've seen great psychological horror movies uh, recently. Whereas, you know, back then they didn't have some of these great psychological movies that we have now. So if this got us to where psychological horror is now, I can appreciate it. You know, the movie did lose me about halfway into it. I would have preferred some other things, but yeah, I didn't hate watching this. I just like to complain, you know,
2: <laughs> that is why we do this show. I think
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> So everyone can hear our
3: gripes. Yes. <laughs> Not enough to gripe to each other. We got to subject all the listeners to it. <laughs> yes.
2: Behold. <laughs>
3: I mean, I'll throw out. I, I do feel like I was personally kind of burned by this movie. I, uh, There was a point when I stopped enjoying it and was just like, you know, I'm I'm kind of done with this. That's just me, though. But looking back, I mean, like with 2000s horror, I mean, that was the era. I think we all kind of grew up in with horror, and like I I personally would say that Insidious really um signaled the kind of new dawn in horror that was genuinely terrifying, whether it was subtle and psychological or blatant in your face jumpy. So anything pre 2010. Is, is kind of a weird watch for me. And in regards to 2000s, obviously the 90s and 80s were a, a golden age. Of <laughs> yeah, maybe not the
2: 90s so much. but
3: The Leprechaun TV? Is that not a... I,
2: mean, <laughs> I do love him, but I think if you're like a horror fanatic and you look at the 90s and are like, wow, I had Nightmare on Elm Street, I had Friday the 13th, and then in the 90s, oh, <laughs> I got this little green guy.
1: <laughs> Which,
2: I mean, I love him, but I don't know if that signifies a great age of the 90s. <laughs> From a different angle, like how do you think this ranks for Stephen King movies, though? Like, Where do you think it would land?
1: Honestly, I liked Christine better than this one.
2: Yeah, I did too.
1: I would agree with that as well.
2: But do you think it's one of the better Stephen King
1: adaptions, one of the worst? I think just... Let me pull up that list again. I, I think just because there's so many crappy Stephen King adaptations i think that makes this one by default one of the better ones i do i think it's
2: better than most i would say are we talking strictly horror adaptions or just
0: every adaption that's a good question i think we should stick just in horror
2: probably horror yeah. i mean to be fair there's only three i can think of and i mean they're all good but i don't know if that's gonna Still I mean, the they're
3: s- among the highest rated on <laughs> IMDb. Yeah.
0: Last week, we watched Silver Bullet, and I think that really showcased the <laughs> low side. <laughs> Maybe not even the low side of Stephen King adaption of uh, horror movies, you know? I mean, compared to Silver Bullet, yeah, this is way better. <laughs> I think it had the potential to be a super strong movie that I really loved, you know? But... It just didn't get there for me.
2: I did like at the end. um, My favorite part about this movie was when the phone was talking to him when he like the front desk. It sounds like the front desk is talking to him. But it's like our tenants like to have free will. So I'm going to give you a choice. You can keep reliving. Like that was so creepy to me. Just like. Talking to this voice on the phone. And then the phone melted. Yeah, that was my favorite part. I wish they would have done more with that, had the phone talked to him more often. Like, that would have been cool.
3: That was discomforting. I'll give you that. That part, I was like, you know what? That made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are three or four, in my opinion, really. I don't want to say scary, but they're discomforting moments in this movie. So... They're not redeeming, in my opinion, but there are a few moments that make you kind of feel like looking over your shoulder, maybe, at the other room.
0: I did see Fox cuddling pretty hard with the blanket. Man,
3: after the hype-up, I was so ready. <laughs> oh, I was very tensed up. I was ready for it to be terrifying, and then... <sighs>
1: <laughs> not so much.
3: You know, as, as we're wrapping up the Stephen King, I guess, series, I think one thing I'll throw out is that I'm not a big fan of when, like, a director like, takes the Stephen King material and kind of does his own thing, but then kind of tries to incorporate the, like, King-verse into it. Like, just make it your own thing, because whatever you're doing is unrelated to, like, the other film, like The Shining, that's already been made. I don't know. I I dislike whenever individual films try to be the King-verse, outside of this new thing going on with... Pet Cemetery and Castle Rock and It.
2: I kind of like the Easter eggs. I don't mind them as long as it doesn't become an essential plot point. You know, if it's just like, oh, if you look at the sign, it says dairy or, you know, if it, I don't know, if there's like a picture on the wall and it's a picture of somebody from one of the other movies, you know, that kind of stuff I think is fun. But it's kind of like, you know, with the Marvel movies where all these Easter eggs laying around and. Marvel's probably never going to do anything with it, but it's there for the fans if you want to notice it, you know?
3: I guess for me, it just feels like lame. Like like in the Marvel movies, they're a series, they're a canon collective universe, but here we've got a bunch of individual pieces that have, I don't know, I guess I, I've read a lot of Stephen King books and I like Easter eggs and stuff that's semi-canon like It and Castle Rock I don't know, and these older movies that are kind of their own thing. I'm just like... That seems like a cheap way to try and get Stephen King fans into it. Like, if you're going to change the source material so much, why bother doing the Easter egg? A minor rant, because it feels like a carrot trap to me. We've got this (laughs) ugly ass box here, but here's a nice juicy Easter egg carrot to dangle in Mm. front of you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Tasty.
1: (laughs) You like Stephen King. Remember his other works?
2: Remember The (laughs) Shiny?
1: Remember that? Remember it?
2: Remember that goofy clown
1: guy? Remember these? He was fun. Remember the car? yeah the, the dog look at this creepy the dog the washing
3: machine <laughs> oh the washing
1: i feel like if they
3: would have tied the washing machine into this i would have been about it like if we could have broke out of his room and gone to do his laundry down the hall <laughs> but it was that washing unit
2: <laughs> yes that would have been great and then it cuts to credits and the sequel can be that movie man we should have
3: got tarantino to direct this he would have done that in a heartbeat i feel like
1: <laughs> that would have been good Bringing it back to 1408. (laughs) The thing I wanted to bring up, and kind of one of the big black marks on this movie, I think, at least for me, is this film is guilty of one of the most egregious things a horror movie can do, in (gasps) my opinion. Oh, is it the fake out? That is the fake out. I absolutely hate When they do the fake-out in horror films. It's lame. It's a cheap trick that does not progress the story any. It does not progress characters any. All it does is pad out the movie. Oh, hey, so not
3: to interrupt you here, but we, we did all see the same version, right? Because come to find out, there's four endings of this movie. What? There's four endings? There's four different endings. So we all saw the one that has the fake out, and then he's in the room, and then spoiler alert, he burns himself alive, right? Yes. Okay, that's the director's cut, and there's three other endings outside the director's cut.
1: Oh my gosh.
3: Just to clarify, I just wanted to make sure we were all on the same page in this one.
1: Okay, that's that's good to clarify, because I bet one of the endings ends with him it being a fake-out the whole time, which is even worse.
3: I think this is the only one he actually
1: dies at the end of. All right, so yeah, but yeah, this movie, it spends like 15 minutes on this fake-out that doesn't do anything. I mean, you could argue that at that point, the characters realized, oh, hey, I was kind of a bastard, and I trying to make things better, but does it do anything in the long run? No, because it's a fake out. It didn't really happen. So it's the Scrooge moment where Scrooge realizes
2: that he was bad and tries to be good.
1: <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I hate it when horror films especially do that because it serves no purpose other than to pat out the time and get a cheap, oh, we got you. You just thought he made it out. Oh, nope, he's still stuck in here. Oh, it was a bad dream. To me, that's the sign of bad writing, because you could literally do almost anything else to make it more interesting than a fake out. It's just, it's a cheap trick is what it is. Ugh, I, I just hate it. And that's kind of the nail in the coffin for it for me.
2: It did go on for a long time. It was kind of ridiculous. I knew right away that I was like, this is a fake out when it happened. But then it kept going. I was like, wait. Is it a fake out? And maybe that's what he was going for because I started to question myself. I was like, we've been dwelling on this thing for a long time.
3: I'm so glad we all had the same experience where all of us were like, this is a fake out. But then it went on for 10 plus minutes and we were like, now hang on a second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I would have liked it better if they would have just ended it there and with him getting his life back together. I think that would have been better (laughs) than what we got because they didn't handle what we got very well.
2: Although it was a nice change of pace at that point from the kind of just like generic ghost stuff happening.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why they did it. Like, we got to get them out of this room. We got to do something else (laughs) with this film. We're out of ideas. Well,
0: you guys got anything else? Should we do overall presentation?
1: I don't got anything.
2: It's time for us to pass our judgment. And how we do that is we (laughs) have a scale. The scale of judgment is what we call it.
3: Yes, we've always (laughs) called it that
2: for every prior show. Our scale goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it. From worst to best. So we all pick it and then at the end we round it out as best we can oh
0: thanks tv i think i probably already gave my hand away early in this review but uh i I think i gotta give this one a pass you know i think it's mainly because i've been spoiled by really great psychological horror so i wanted more out of this movie than what it was ever gonna do i think It should have been a lot shorter. There would have been a lot of changes that would have made. We've talked about it in the review. Also, it's weird because, you know, considering the time, if I would have been into horror movies back then like I am now and watching them, I probably would have had a lot more um, appreciation for this movie. But right now, I got to give it a pass because there's just... Way better stuff out there that you could watch that gets its point across a lot better than this one.
3: Yeah, I'm with Mad Mike on a lot of that. You know, um, I I hate to say that we're spoiled by good horror because you know we we did grow up in this era of horror film, but. There, there is something better that came after it in terms of genre, so I, I think I'd also have to give this one a pass. I always think, you know, when I kick back with some brews with the guys on the show here and have some fun watching it, and for me, this one wasn't even fun. I, I, I personally was hoping for an awesome mystery. They they set it up so much with an air of mystery and intrigue, and and there's none of that. It's, it's just weird ghosts for the next hour and a half and Christmas story starring not Bill Murray, but the amazing John Cusack. So that's a pass from me.
2: (laughs) It's kind of weird because I went on a really like, I guess not a very exciting roller coaster ride, but a very like casual ride. <laughs> because while we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, I didn't really like this one at all. And then as we kept talking, I was like, you know, but I did like this and I did like this. And it's literally like I was going uphill. It's like, yep, 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 yep. And then we started talking towards the end of the review. I was like, yeah, I didn't like that either. I didn't like that. So <laughs> I'm kind of conflicted a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with a pass too. I'm just going to go with my gut instinct after I watched it. I think there are some genuinely great stuff in here. The whole buildup to the room's awesome. The phone line talking to him at the end was awesome. Uh, I even like some of the interactions, like when he's just in the room trying to investigate it, I guess, when he's just talking into his recorder. I thought some of that was kind of amusing, but it quickly becomes generic and I don't know, it goes on way too long. It doesn't hold my interest at all. So... Yeah, I'm going to give it a pass. I think it's okay, but probably not worth your time.
1: So the first 20 minutes of the film is great. The setup for the room is awesome. The main character's job and what he does is really good for a horror movie, I think. Then he gets up to the room and it turns into a bog-standard haunted house ghost story that wants to be a psychological horror film but doesn't really know how to do it there are a couple creepy things in it like the phone with the noose that we talked about personally i like it when like the cracks in the house show up and then it starts bleeding and things like that i think that's creepy So it does that in here too, but the blood effects aren't very good because it's PG-13. So there's some creepy stuff in it. The acting's good by John Cusack and Sam Jackson, of course. They're always pretty good. Everybody else, not so much. Music's pretty uninspired too. Nothing to say about that, really. It's just not interesting. They could have done so many interesting things with it it's just not interesting to watch at all really after the first half hour i'd say then it of course it has the awful fake out at the end if you're watching the director's cut like we did so that that doesn't help it any there's multiple movies you could watch instead of this one that do it much better silent hill i'll recommend that one because that one's Underrated, I think. And then something along these lines that does it extremely well is Shutter Island. Go watch Shutter Island or Silent Hill instead of this one. You'll have a much better time. And with that said, I'm gonna give it a pass as well. (laughs) All right, so I guess that evens out to a pass. Wow, look at us. (laughs) A nice even pass.
2: Wow, we all agreed on it. (laughs) That hasn't happened in a while. 1408 is
0: Run the Reel Certified as a Pass.
2: Oof. Well, how about that? This series, even though it's been kind of hit or miss, the movies, it has made me want to read more Stephen King. I haven't read his books in a long time.
1: Yeah, and I still haven't read one yet.
2: If I was you, Dan, I would start out with one of his short story collections just to get a taste for it, and then you'll probably be able to tell from there. A lot of people say he writes shorts better than he writes full length stuff. So
1: he's got a lot of good shorts. Well, a lot of his shorts have made really good movies. The stand is kind
3: of cool, though. I mean, we we talked about what what was that first one? Um, was the first was it on Silver Bullet or on um Christine, where somebody brought up his disdain for religion?
1: Um, Silver Bullet, I brought that up.
3: So The Stand is really heavy on Christianity, and he actually kind of favors the uh, God is good and devil is evil angle. Interesting. So um, it, it's a really unique novel for him, and in my opinion, a, a very much unlike his other works but we don't have to talk about the TV miniseries.
2: <laughs> you own it. It's in your collection. You gave it a buy it.
3: I did. It was a gift. <laughs> it was a gift.
1: I t-
2: oh, man. I'm like slipping into a trauma nightmare here. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his collection. He must love it. So uh, what are we doing for next week? So you may have heard of this little movie that came out semi-recently. When this episode comes out, it's probably been out for a while, but I'm pretty sure almost everyone in the world has seen it. Judging from the numbers and the money that it's made. Yeah, no joke. We're going to talk about Avengers Endgame.
3: Oh, yeah, that one. I, I think we might have seen that one. I don't know. Uh, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Gee. Us and mm-hmm. several millions of people have seen that one. <laughs> I guess it's a pretty big deal. So, you know what? Why not? Let's. We should cover it probably, right?
3: I think you're right. Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: It's got a lot to live up to with Infinity War, so we'll see how it goes. All right. Cool. Sounds good. So if any of you listeners want to get in contact with us at all, you know, maybe you've got some recommendations, Stephen King movies, any movie, really Stephen King books. If you have recommendations about anything, maybe you want to rebuke some of our claims and opinions, give your own opinions. That'd be nice. We want to hear what you think.
1: Yeah.
2: You can get in contact with us at run the real podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Yeah, we want to know what you think. We want to get your recommendations. We want to get your takes. We wanna know. So yeah. Please talk to us. <laughs> hey to
3: tack on to TV's thing. Um, you know, I unfortunately I think our um our review of Endgame will be out before uh, this this review, or be recorded before this review comes out to all you listeners. But that said, I've had a number of questions about Endgame in the Marvel Universe come up to me from some listeners, so feel free to uh, hit up our sound engineer and co-host TV what? on our media channels with any <laughs> questions regarding Endgame <laughs> and the bizarre stuff that may or may not go down in it.
2: <laughs> yes, please, ask me anything I may have the answer or I may not sometimes I'm just like I don't know He
3: has the answers I've literally blacked out And then come out of the blackout And seen this man still talking about comics (laughs) (laughs) That's like a seven hour period
2: (laughs) I mean I'll do my best to help if you have questions So Just You can ask us anything And maybe we'll Depending on what you ask We'll probably answer (laughs) Sounds good Well Thanks for listening to
0: us tonight everybody We really appreciate it This is Run The Real Signing off